Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that's really been on my mind a lot personally lately, and that has to do with the emotional and mental toll that parenting takes, and more specifically, the uneven distribution of that emotional and mental labor between parenting partnerships. Now, in most cases, and most of the research is based on heterosexual parenting partnerships. And what we have found, what the research has shown, is that women typically bear the significant majority of emotional and mental labor in parenting. Now, what am I talking about here? Maybe these are not terms that you're super familiar with. So what I'm talking about is the invisible and often unrecognizable toll of bearing the majority of logistical and emotional weight for the entire family. Now, typically, this isn't really something that is followed, discussed, or really has high impact on couples prior to them welcoming in children into their family, but certainly is something that has been seen and noticed once couples become parents. So as I was getting prepared for this particular topic and this episode of the podcast, I came across this awesome cartoon. And it's just this little image of a man and a woman. And at the top, it was labeled emotional labor. And the man little word bubble says, what's that? And the woman's word bubble says, it's the shit that women do to keep everyone happy that no one notices. Like how I'm explaining this to you when you could have looked it up. (laughs) That's um, the artist for that um, cartoon is Violet Clare. Anyway, it's kind of the perfect example of what we're talking about here, that it is this burden that one person in a parenting partnership typically the woman, if it's a heterosexual relationship, carries. So here's even more kind of illumination on what I'm talking about. Imagine right now you and your family are getting ready to take a trip. Somebody in the family is thinking about the following types of logistics. One trip is going to be, how far off it is, what needs to be purchased or organized or found prior to leaving for the trip? What needs to be packed? What will be the weather and the climate at the destination? What items need to be brought 
along to help everyone feel comfortable and happy? How long is the car ride or maybe airplane flight? And how do we prepare for that without it ending up in total despair? What types of food and snacks should we bring along? What food will be available at our destination? Do we have anybody in our family with special dietary um, restrictions? Um, how do we plan around that? Do we bring the food with us? Do we put in an order ahead of time for groceries to be delivered to our destination? What activities should we plan for when we're on our trip? Do we need to make reservation for those activities? Are there going to be any special outings that we're not going to want to miss while we're there? What will be the sleeping arrangements when we get to our destination? Do we need to bring a pack and play, sleeping bags, anybody's lovies, a special pillow? What medications do we need to bring along in case somebody gets sick or if somebody has a prescription? Do we have enough of that prescription to get us through the trip? Do we need to bring anything like birth certificates, passports? Are they up to date? Do we know where to find them? How do we go about getting a passport in time to leave on our trip? What's going to happen when we get to our destination when it comes to sleep? Uh, will our children be able to take naps? Where are those going to happen? Will the bedtime be impacted? Is there a time change that we need to be thinking about and negotiating? And that's just one category, travel. This person most likely is one person who's thinking through all of these questions. And again, that was just related to one specific situation, travel. But there's also all these other logistical things that have to be thought about on a daily, monthly, yearly basis, like when the doctor and dentist checkups need to happen, meal planning on a daily basis, what's for dinner, what's for breakfast, what's going into the lunch boxes. A person needs to keep an eye on how the kids are doing in school and communication with the teachers, managing the family calendar. What are the upcoming important dates? What are the no school days? When are the school vacations? What are the childcare arrangements for those school breaks or the summer? Do we need to schedule camp for the summer? What camps are our kids gonna go to? When are the dates? And then just kind of the other things having to do with the kids' social lives setting up and coordinating play dates, birthdays, if it's a kid's birthday in the family, what are the presents, where are those going to be purchased, who's going to wrap them, what kind of cake do they want, do they want a party, how do we plan for the party, who plans the party, um, other holidays throughout the year, depending upon what holidays your family celebrates, who does most of the planning and coordinating for those things. Clothing needs, uh, if kids are growing out of clothes, who does the majority of noticing that and donating or passing on those clothes and purchasing of new clothes, shoes, rotating seasonal clothing, getting the you know stored clothing that's meant for spring and summer out of the storage area in the attic or garage or whatever, and, and rotating out the clothes that are now too warm. The list seems endless. So ask yourself, who thinks of the majority of these things in your family? How evenly is that type of mental, emotional labor distributed in your family? Is it 50-50, 60-40, 80-20? Well, if you're like most people in the population, most likely it's somewhere around 90 to 10%. One person doing about 90% of that type of mental and emotional labor, and the other person doing about 10%. And that even applies when both parents are working in jobs outside of the home. Now, that's not to say that one parent is doing all of this and the other is doing none. The other parent typically does help some more than others, but typically 
the person that bears the majority of this responsibility is still the one that's asking for things to be taken care of by the other parent um, or is expected to explain, to provide the lists, to give the instructions. There have been incidences, it absolutely drives me crazy when I hear parents talk and somebody, the dad, uh, in the case that I'm thinking of, refers to, oh, I'm on babysitting duty that night. Uh, my wife has some plans. Babysitting duty? These are your children. <laughs> it, you're not babysitting somebody else's children. You're actually spending time in charge of your own children. That's not called babysitting. That's called parenting. So it's just kind of something that many of us just live in a world where there is this very, very unbalanced distribution of this labor, but we don't really think about it. It's not really something we're mindful of. But nevertheless, it takes a toll on the mental health and physical health of the person in your family that is the person responsible for the majority of the emotional and mental labor. And because of that, I think it's really important for us to kind of bring this to people's consciousness. So the people who are experiencing the majority of this labor can feel seen and understood and perhaps start thinking about how to make things distributed in a way that does not take an unfair toll on one person. And again, a lot of the articles and research refer to this in terms of heterosexual couples, but when you have same-sex couples, it's still the same in that there's still one person typically that's taking the majority of the mental and emotional labor for a family. So you can apply the same concept to your family regardless of the makeup of your family. So there was a couple of articles that I read when I was preparing for this episode. And there's one article that is called The Hidden Load, How Thinking of Everything Holds Moms Back. And it was written by Melissa Hagenboom. And it identifies areas where this hidden work lies. And this article split up into three separate categories. The first was cognitive labor. And that's thinking about all the practical things that have to get done in the household, household responsibilities, organizing play dates, um, shopping, meal planning, planning activities, planning trips, those types of things, the cognitive list making and organizing type work. The second is emotional labor, which is maintaining or being responsive to family's emotional needs. It actually involves managing somebody else's feelings. You know, if somebody's really upset, the person who's there responding to the upset individuals, who's interceding if siblings are fighting, who's worrying about a child's emotional well-being when they're away from you at school, at summer camp, even at college. So that's the emotional labor piece. And then the third piece is the mental load. And that's kind of where the emotional labor and the cognitive labor intersect. And it has to do with kind of anticipating everything from emotional needs to kind of those practical cognitive needs. The mental load is about planning and coordinating everything that has to take place to set things up for a successful day, a successful event, a successful activity, or just a successful home life. Anybody exhausted right now? I know I am. <laughs> I know for me, 
that's very much me in my household. And I am completely honest in saying that it's taking a toll on me. I'm in my 18th year of motherhood. And I do all this just out of instinct. I do all this because I somehow on some level took on the role of doing all of this. I feel like in my family, I somehow by default have become the person that's considered the best at doing all of this, even though there's not 100% truth in that. Um, I am a person, I've been open about this before in my podcast, I have ADHD. So things having to do with executive functioning are not things that are naturally very strong for me. Because of that, one of the areas that my husband takes the majority of the cognitive load has to do with paying of bills and managing our budget and saving and managing that piece. Because that for me became completely overwhelming in our early years of marriage. We kind of took turns. I did it for a period of time. He took a turn in it for a period of time. My husband found that even though he was not managing the budget and paying the bills and when I was managing it, he still thought about it quite a bit. So he was still kind of caught up in the emotional work of thinking about the budget, thinking about our expenditures and so forth. So I just very happily said, hey, why don't you take both the mental and emotional work that has to do with our money and budgeting and paying bills and you kind of take over that zone while I manage other pieces. But In a lot of areas, particularly when it has to come to the well-being of our children and all the other logistics that have to go into it, that has, for the majority of it, it falls on my plate. Now, this hidden mental and emotional work that I'm referring to in this episode is really difficult to measure. And that's, of course, because it's invisible and performed internally within somebody's brain and emotional system. So it's hard to measure. It's hard to get an actual number to kind of place on the impact that this might have or how unevenly distributed it may be in a particular household. But in 2019, a particular researcher at Harvard University by the name of Allison Deminger, she decided to do some research on this topic. And she broke up even further that mental work piece, the cognitive piece, even into further four steps. And she talked related to household responsibilities. And she broke it up into one, anticipating needs, two, identifying options, three, deciding among the options, and then four, monitoring the results. And in her research, she determined that while oftentimes both parents in a partnership might participate in number three, deciding among the options, that one person participates in all four and the other person perhaps just participates predominantly just in that making the decisions. Once the other person has anticipated, identified all the options, and then that person also is the one that typically executes and monitors for the results. Again, this research is really looking predominantly at a particular study she conducted um, between heterosexual couples. And she found that mothers did more in all four of those stages than the fathers did. And then she went on a little later and she did a follow-up study, the same um, researcher, trying to determine the why. Why was this uneven distribution in the people that she conducted the study with? Well, interestingly enough, both the men and women in her study, they talked about the fact that most of this fell on one person in her study, the mothers, because 
they felt that the mothers were just better at being organized. However, through further research, that was, even though that was what both the men and women pointed to, her research further went on to say that wasn't necessarily true, that the women were all the better people at organizing and multitasking, which again, I think I find very interesting. Again, in my family with ADHD, I'm not naturally very strong at multitasking and organizing and creating schedules and lists and things like that. Nevertheless, when it comes to our family, I'm the default person that takes on the majority of that work. And the other thing was because she discovered that that actually was not a true theory, that women are not inherently better at being organized, they just were expected to do it. And therefore, perhaps over time became better at it because they were tasked with it in the first place, not because they were better, but just because there was this expectation. And so over time, they did perhaps become better at it. But that was not the case necessarily on the onset of the mother taking on the majority of those roles. Other reasons that Daminger determined why this uneven distribution existed, well, there's the age-old structural reasons that women's, when it comes to their work, they often take jobs that have more flexibility, whereas men more typically take on jobs that have more rigid set hours and their careers are more traditional. And again, this is based on her 2019 study. Pre-pandemic, I have a feeling that post-pandemic, that flexibility has been realized between all jobs out of necessity with the exception, of course, of essential workers. But because of this study, women more typically took on more flexible jobs. So they were more available to fill in the gaps and be available for childcare when it was a necessity due to school holidays or maybe a sick child. And then there's also the societal gendered expectations that start from birth, that young girls are more commonly involved in housework around the home than young boys. And therefore, they become more used to it and more skilled at it, including things like childcare. And so it becomes very ingrained. And again, research shows that daughters are known to do more housework than sons, for instance. So that's other explanations that Daminger came to kind of look at why this uneven distribution happened. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. So now let's move on and talk about the impact to home life, work life, and health of the person that takes on the majority of this mental and emotional labor. Again, in Daminger's studies, she was looking at this and looking primarily at the women who were taking on the majority of this work. And what she found was that uh, mothers were more likely to be stressed, tired, less happy, and less fulfilled in family life, and also have a lower libido and sex drive. More studies, not just the one that Daminger did, also have pointed to women, particularly women in childbearing age and above middle age, having a higher incidence of mental illness, especially depression and anxiety disordered. Very likely 
um, tied to stress and ongoing toxic stress. Women also are, in terms of the impact on home life, women or the person in families who take on the majority of the mental and emotional labor are more likely to change jobs, particularly to find jobs that allow for more flexibility, to turn down promotions, and also to leave the workforce altogether because they cannot take an increase in physical and mental demands or an increase in hours due to the um, the higher amount of emotional and mental labor that they're already taking on in their homes. And this, of course, has led to pay gaps and work inequity that we are all very well aware of in our country and the world at large. That's become even more obvious during the pandemic. When you look at how the wage gap and the career gap was lessening pre-pandemic, well, that's taken a huge step backwards during the coronavirus pandemic because so many women have left the workforce way higher amounts than men. Um, They were more likely to leave their jobs to provide care for their children at home and schooling and to oversee the schooling when children were home doing remote learning. So as I mentioned at the beginning, this is something that's really been on my mind personally, because I have noticed that this is my 18th year of being a parent, and it's taken its toll for sure. One of those moments where I really kind of took a step back and thought, wow, this is a little messed up, was about not quite a year and a half ago, but just about, um, I had surgery and I had, of course, to recover from what was about a six-hour surgery. And for me... I thought of that as a vacation. I looked at that recovery from my six hour surgery as a break. Now, keep in mind, I had to do the majority of the coordination and planning ahead of my surgery. I coordinated childcare, rides to and from school. Friends reached out to coordinate food to bring to our family. And even during that window of time when I was recovering from my surgery, my kids still would gather on my bed for homework help, emotional support, problems with friends, things going on for them personally, I was still very much the person that was turned to for that emotional support, the emotional labor piece of that. Much of this, I am really, really happy to be providing, but the percentage is a bit off. And it's something that we're looking at within our family and addressing because over time, as I kind of shared in the earlier piece about impacting on the impact on home and work life and health, it's definitely taking an impact. And part of it has been looking at all the things that cause stress on me, what things can be taken off and really focusing on the things that are a priority which of course for me is my family, my children, my friendships and my work. And looking at the rest of the commitments and asking myself, which of these things can go to make more space, but that's honestly not enough because that doesn't even begin to address this uneven distribution of emotional and mental labor that takes place in all households, including mine. So what can be done? What can we do? Well, first and foremost, what can be done is we can be talking about this. We can be discussing it as I'm doing on this podcast, but talk about this, listen to this and share this podcast with your friends, with your parenting partner, 
talk about this and maybe even just do an exercise and write down all the things on each person's plate. It might be incredibly illuminating to recognize the true cognitive load, emotional load, and mental load that is distributed within your family and your parenting partnerships. And once you've done that, once you've taken a real good look at that, I would call that step one. Step two would be for the person who's carrying the majority to let go of some of that and do less. And some of that might mean that you have to let go of some control. Some of us have taken on so much because we like being control of all those things. That would definitely be part of my issue. But think about this not as giving up, but giving in and passing on and sharing. You might just have to be less available at times. You might have to sometimes leave without making all the plans and arrangements ahead of time and let your parenting partner figure it out. In my household, my husband does this all the time. In fact, we were kind of laughing a couple of weeks ago. My husband left for the weekend and my kids didn't even realize that he was leaving. He got to pack himself up, take care of his arrangements and leave. And we took care of life. Things happened. It was completely fine. The kids were a little disappointed. And he was like, yeah, that was a bad call. And I'm sorry. And he talked to the kids and said, I'm sorry. I didn't give a proper goodbye or let you know I was leaving. But for me, it was a little bit of an aha. I don't do that. When I leave for even just a few hours, I usually have made a lot of arrangements. I usually have let uh, my husband know what to do for dinner, what activities are happening and so forth. I need to do a little bit less of that because I know that my husband's fully capable. And honestly, I have started doing less of that because my workload has increased. And guess what? My husband actually does more grocery shopping, plans some of the meals, does some of the logistical things some of the times as well, because I can't do it all. I have some built-in limitations to my time. And so he has stepped in and again, is happy to do so because for him, it feels fulfilling to be taking on more of the load. And for me, I feel a little bit of a relief. We still have some ways to go, though, for this to be distributed a bit more evenly. And also, as parents, when it comes to this letting go of some of this and doing less, also, you don't need to be the person providing the majority or all of the answers or making all the decisions. Pass some of that on to your parenting partner. You don't have to be the gatekeeper to the children for all things. Pass on that responsibility on. My third suggestion is to do more co-planning and division of jobs and role distribution together with your parenting partner and with your children who are old enough and capable to take some of this on as well. I really highly suggest having a online calendar, a Google calendar or something similar that everybody has access to that has devices and access to online planning. Have it on the family shared Google Calendar and everybody gets to go to that to find the answers of what's planned today. That's another way in which the parent who takes on the majority of this labor could step away without having to let everybody know what's going on for that evening or that weekend or week or so forth. And also the fourth thing is to get support, to be honest and become more mindful of your own personal, physical and mental limitations and then protect them. When you realize what your limit is, protect that limit. Don't go beyond it because that will take a toll on your mental and physical health if you're not paying attention to this over time. 
when it comes to things having to do with um, parental decisions, like maybe seeking out the support of a parent coach or parent education, both parents should be involved with that. And it's, I love the fact that in my parent coach practice, I typically work with both parents. I'm not a parent coach who typically works with just the one person who carries the majority of the load for their family. I typically work at least some of the time, if not all of my coaching sessions with both parents. That's the way it should be. We should both be fully invested. And believe me, when I started diving into this parent coach world and taking all these classes, my husband came along. He attended the workshops. He attended classes. Or he would sit through me retelling and teaching him what I had learned. It helped me integrate my learning. It helped him get on the same page and learn what I was learning. That helped us be on the same page in terms of that emotional load when it came to helping and supporting our children in their emotional lives. So that's kind of my go-to and my nuts and bolts of, first of all, just bringing the topic of emotional and mental labor that's often invisible and parenting partnerships, talking about it, bringing it to the forefront of your mind and encouraging you to take a look at it before you get to a place where you're having a negative impact to your mental health, to your physical health. And if you already are, no, you're not alone. There are many of us who have gotten to that place before they've taken action and are now having to kind of take a look at things and improve. I count myself among those people who are trying to learn some new tricks again in my 18th year of being a parent. I still have young children. I still have a kindergartner. So I need to be able to stay in this game. And I also have taken on a career, which takes a lot of time. So I need to be looking at my life and my family's life and how my husband, who was a very supportive partner, but we need to kind of be attacking this as a team so that we can be really meeting the needs of both of us as parents and leaders of our household. I hope this has been helpful for you today in your parenting journey. And please join me again next time on the next episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.